Hello, my friend. Jeff C. here with a great new resource that I put together just for you. It's a complete database of all the tools that I use to create content and run my business. I've got apps, software, hardware, and even my favorite AI tools. It's easy to find what you need and tells you exactly how I'm using them in my business. To get access to my toolbox, just go to jeffc.com forward slash toolbox. That's J-E-F-F. S is in Sam, I-E-H. That's I before E, especially in C. That's how my mama had me learn it. So go check it out. And if you haven't heard me say it in a while, I appreciate you listening, my friend. And now, on with the episode. Keeping you up to date on the world of social media. Industry experts. Innovators. Creators. Storytellers. And the latest social media tools, tips, and tactics. This is Social Media News Live. Hello, folks. Welcome to Social Media News Live. I'm Jeff C. And you're not. And I'm just happy to be here. And I'm also Connor Brown. And this is the show that keeps you up to date on what's happening in the world of social media and more. And today we are diving deep into the world of influencer marketing. We're going to be uncovering its true potential for both brands and influencers. And we have a fantastic show lined up for you guys today. It's featuring our special guest, Mike Alton, who is an influence marketing expert who's here to share his valuable insights and tips. So grab a seat, get comfortable, grab a snack if you want. I have one, you just can't see it on screen. And get comfortable because we're gonna be talking about uh, how you can master influencer marketing to to boost your brand or personal brand to new heights. So Mike, how are you doing today, my friend? Fantastic. And yeah, you'd think after a decade, I'd finally be Jeff C. But after all these shows that we've been on together, I'm still not Jeff C. You just can't do it. I think I was using that line back when we were doing it before. Anyway, um, if you don't know Mike, I just I I don't know where you've been because he is amazing. He's everywhere. Uh, Let me introduce you to him. He is an international keynote speaker and award winning consultant and author at the Social Media Hat and head of strategic partnerships at Agora Pulse, where he strengthens relationships with social media educators, influencers and personal and partner brands. He has spent over a decade in digital marketing and brings an unparalleled level of expertise and excitement to the fore, whether he's delivering a presentation or leading a workshop. I've been lucky enough to hear him on all those. He's amazing. So Mike, thanks again for being here today. Thanks for having me. This is always a blast. I think this is the second or third time yeah, you've had yeah. me on this I think show. You're like one of my first I guests. really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> and also I want you to mention your book because I think we're streaming over on Amazon as well. So uh, I want you to talk about your book because we'll pull that up in the carousel, but um, it's, it's a book on marketing. So talk about that. Yeah, so I co-authored The Ultimate Guide to Social Media Marketing, published by Entrepreneur Press, and of particular interest to this show and all of you watching and listening right now, I wrote an entire chapter there on influencer marketing. So if you want to get into influencer marketing and you also want to kind of broaden your reach with live video and Facebook ads and all the different social networks, pick a copy of the book. All the information is still highly relevant and valid today. Awesome. And by the way, I want to do a big shout out for our sponsor of the show. Those are the folks over at Ecamm. You know, I'm a big fan. They help sponsor the show. They make it what this is all possible because of them. So socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Ecamm. They have something coming up that is going to be amazing. Uh, They're going to have their new Leap Into Live. And their Leap Into Live is going to be all about how to do live selling. It's Leap Into Live selling this year. I will be speaking. Uh, Paul Gowder, who we had on a couple weeks ago, is speaking. Some other people we've had on 
before speaking all about live selling. Our friends uh, Chris Stone and Jim Fuse from the Dealcasters are going to be there speaking as well about Amazon Live. So if you want to know more about this live selling thing, you need to uh, sign up now. Uh, get your seat while it's it's available. Go to leapintolive.com. Find out all about that because it's going to be amazing this year and it's coming up next month. So you want to make sure you sign up for that right now. So appreciate Ecamm for sponsoring the show. Um, so let's That's talk. third annual. Yeah. Leap into life. It's the third time they're doing this. So you know yeah. this is going to be a really, really well done event. Yeah. They're not just cobbling something together at the last minute. Yeah. So really well done. Now the speakers, we may be cobbling things together. No, I'm just teasing. We'll, That's I've already true. got my plan. Speakers are always last minute. <laughs> so we've got our <laughs> friends. Uh, Dan uh, Kelston says, uh, hey, 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 it's a lovely day in the Plex Camp hey, town. Hey, that is yeah. a great, and it, that is something cool. I mean, Chris has talked about it before. It's a great little thing, that Plexicam, especially when you're traveling. I take mine with me all the time. But he's calling in from Boston. Thank you for uh, chiming in over on LinkedIn. And then we have our friend uh, Gary Stockton saying, Happy Friday from Huntington Beach. Hope you're enjoying your Friday, Gary. And uh, Chris is saying, yes, uh, woohoo, Ecam Network, leap into live. Here we go. And uh, there's other chat going on. So join in. Ask your questions today because Mike is ripping and raring to go to answer your question. So we're going to talk about this first section. And Connor, chime in because I know you're a big, uh, yeah. you have influence in, in kind of the real estate uh, Disney kind of side of things. So this will be a really interesting conversation. But I want to talk about understanding influencer marketing because I don't want to assume that people, you know, know what we're talking about. So I want you to kind of break it down, Mike, and talk about what influencer marketing is and how it kind of differs maybe from traditional marketing. Yeah, the funny thing is, we're all familiar with the core of what influencer marketing is. But often as consumers, we may just be thinking about influencers as celebrities with, with millions of social media followers. And that's really more brand endorsements and advertisements, right? When you see mm -hmm. a celebrity who's on an ad or something like that, touting a product or a service, they're just simply being paid to endorse. True influencer marketing is when you are talking to your friend and you ask them, hey, is there a great place that you know of to get pad thai? And they tell you the restaurant that they've been to a week ago that has amazing pad thai. Now we might often reference that as word of mouth marketing because we trust that individual. The words that are coming out of their mouths are telling us that we should go try this thing, whatever it is that they're talking about, whether it's a product or a service or somebody to network with. But what they're actually doing is influencing us, which means we're all exerting influence in some way. We all can be influencers. And the difference that I often distinguish between an individual who has influence, they have an audience, even if it's just the, the random people that they know, versus somebody who is a quote unquote influencer is intent. Mm. So if you are intending to talk to your audience about a particular product or a brand or a service or yourself and persuade them, you are exerting influence and you are therefore an influencer. So many of us are influencers, whether we kind of label ourselves that or not. But that's really what influencer marketing is, is that intent to persuade an audience through that longstanding relationship that you have with them, that they mm. should try something mm. or that's do good. something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's, and I love that you said word of mouth because I feel like that's something that overlooked so much nowadays, especially with social media, ads, email marketing, all this stuff. But I think the power in word of mouth is is so important. I see it all the time with with my stuff that I do with with uh, Disney travel. Uh, you know, you want to uh, provide for your client 
and you want to perform so well that they tell every single person about you that they become your own evangelist cal newport has a book kind of talks exactly about this called be so good they can't ignore you and i think that understanding that that's where the true power of influencer marketing comes in but as we define this you know what would you say the current state of of influencer marketing is at and and more so in recent years how has it evolved what what trends are are you really focused on on well it's really interesting because as we've seen influencer marketing evolve those of us who are paying attention to the industry overall i'm historically an historian that's what i went to school for so i had this mindset of how are things changing taking a step back in that long view and it parallels the influencer marketing industry parallels social media and the content marketing industries because what's happened as a result of the existence of social media what you're seeing right now is that anyone can be an influencer because anyone can be a publisher anyone can create content about other things, about their own knowledge, their experience, products, services that they want to talk about. And because of the platforms that exist with social media, they can distribute, they can grow audiences and communities, and they can build a platform on which to be an influencer far easier than we ever could before. Mm -hmm. And we continue to see the involvement of these social networks, short form video, long form video, the capability to create long form video, uh, you know, Jeff mentioned at the outset, you know, he and I have been doing live video shows for a decade. Manly Picture Show probably was 2012 or 2013. So probably a decade we've been doing this. And even then it's changed, right? That was on the Google Plus platform using the Hangouts and Aaron. It didn't have the fancy video overlays. It wasn't quite so easy to manipulate who could talk when. you couldn't see comments from so many different channels and distribute that content to so many different channels. You could distribute it on Google Plus and you could use plugins to roll in the comments from shares, but you couldn't necessarily have it going live on YouTube and LinkedIn right. and Twitter and so on. So this capability that we have today has empowered so many people. It is now relatively easy to simply decide, I want to be an influencer. I want to embrace this capability and these platforms to actually work with an audience and walk alongside them and go on a journey with them and help them in ways that maybe I've experienced and make their lives easier because now I can tell them, hey, you know that thing that you've been struggling with for so long? I struggled with that too. And here's how I solved it. Mm. That's a great point. I, I, I want to get your your um, thoughts on what Chris has said here. He says, influencer has been the, the term influencer has been getting stigmatized. The true influencers are actually helping others solve problems with their products and services. And so, you know, they have a great, I know Chris and um, Jim have the saying, they're not, they do live, they're not doing live selling, they're doing life solving, which I think is a great line. And I just stole it and I'll continue to keep stealing it. But um, that, that, that is true. And how important of that, you know, because of the influencer being kind of stigmatized, like, uh, Chris was saying, do you still think that's an issue that influencers have to go overcome and maybe get out of that terminology of influencer because it has that negative connotation? It's definitely true that it's been stigmatized because we've had so many bad experiences now, along with the rise of influencers as an industry, we've had the rise of people who are bad apples in that industry. And this is true with every industry, but in the influencer marketing industry in particular, you've got people who act like divas, you have people who pad their stats, who buy followers, uh, who are simply just unreasonable and unwilling to work with, who maybe aren't transparent and honest with their audiences, let alone their customers the brands who 
might want to potentially work with them. So you've got bad characters. Unlike every other industry, you've got that capability, that that history that's come along, and and like Chris said, you know, potentially stigmatize the industry. Now, should they not call themselves influencers? I, I don't know that I'm going to go that far, mm-hmm. but definitely there's work to do. Definitely, if you are an influencer or a budding influencer, you have to be aware of the fact that some of the brands that you may want to work with and some of the audience that you want to talk to may have been burned in the past by influencers. And so you need to double down on the truth of effective influencer marketing, which is that it boils down to authenticity and relationships. And you need to just exude that you are who you say you are, be totally transparent and honest and look for opportunities to be even more transparent than you might normally would have been. Um, I'll give you an example. There was a, a Chinese influencer, uh, a, a live shopping oh, individual. Yeah. I know who, you're talking about. Um, yeah, he had, he had, uh, had a brand deal where the brand was offering him and his audience a discount on whatever it is that they were talking about. And so he did his live shopping thing and he sold tons of product like he does. And then a week or so later, the brand turned around and offered that same discount to another audience. And the whole deal with this influencer was that the discounts are exclusive to my audience. I want them to understand. And we have that relationship and that trust in place. And when he saw that the brand had did that, he went back and he told his entire audience, go back and, return those products and give up my commissions I, you know i'm severing touch with this brand because my relationship with you is the most important thing not the money i could have just kept in my pocket right for that and not said anything right that's the kind of thing that we need to be doing more and more and more as influencers today particularly b2b influencers where it's really challenging to build those relationships we need to do everything we can to hold on to those yeah I think you're talking about the lipstick king. Is that who you're yeah, talking about? Awesome. Emily, yeah. we talked about uh, him uh, two weeks ago with, with uh, Stephanie, I think, right? Yeah, right, Jeff? yeah, yeah. I think so. Nope. Uh, I want to do, uh, do a uh, real quick thing that Dan says Ecamm Network has really uh, um, leapt into the major uh, high-quality video production right at the beginning of the pandemic and has been innovating nonstop. Another Massachusetts-based company, too. So shout out to Ecamm, our sponsor. But that kind of leads to the next kind of things I want to talk about because – um, Ecamm, I think, does a really great job of activating community, like training, teaching, mm-hmm. listening to what they need to change and really trying to make that happen for their product down the road. Agora Pulse, who you work for um, and you've kind of spearheaded the way they work with amb- ambassadors like I was a fan of Agora Pulse before, but. And, you know, total transparency, I still am an ambassador for them, but I love their product so much and I see the value. It lets me listen on socials and all and schedule things and new stuff comes out where I can do TikTok. I mean, all that stuff is amazing, but it's not just that it's a tool that works really, really well. It's that they really listen to their clients and their ambassadors and try to make it better and better and better. And that's that's working hand in hand with the brand is working with their influencers and influencers working with brands, which is pretty rare. So how can you, you know, what are some benefits of that, Mike? Cause you've actually been in that and how could um, maybe an influencer who's working with a brand kind of foster that relationship to develop into something like Agora Pulse has with its ambassadors. It definitely starts with having a, open mind and a willingness to have conversations with those individuals. And I'm going to stress the fact that it is one-to-one conversations. And this is where 
I think most brands kind of end up balking at the idea because that's hard to scale. You know, the CEO of a, of a company can't have 100 conversations a week with influencers and customers. But the reality is those conversations have to take place somehow, yeah. some way. The brand has to be having individual conversations with both users and influencers in the communities that they're trying to reach to understand the problems that they're facing and how they could potentially solve them and to just build rapport. This is why it's so important for me to go to live events, for instance. I mean, this is virtual. This is fine. This is great. Mm -hmm. But it lacks the substance of Jeff, you and I sitting down and, you know, having lunch and some drinks and, and you right. know, just bonding, right, as people do when they're in that more relaxed face-to-face -face kind of environment. So that's an investment of time and money that a lot of brands aren't necessarily able or willing to do. But that's the differential. That's the difference maker, right? If a brand is willing to do that, to have those conversations with individuals, first of all, you build that rapport, which we're going to talk about a lot, I think. Mm -hmm. And secondly, you learn about the individual. You learn what is it they're trying to accomplish, where are they hitting challenges, where do they need help? And maybe some of that stuff that you can do personally as a brand, maybe it's not. Every year we have an agency summit in, in June. And the focus of the agency summit is to help marketing agencies grow and scale because we know that's their number one challenge. We know because we talked to them and that's what they told us. That's their number one challenge. It isn't necessarily something that Agorapol solves. Agorapol tangentially solves that. I mean, if you're doing social media management, it's best to use a dashboard like Agora Pulse because then you can bring in team members and you can grow and scale. But when you're talking about growing and scaling your agency, that's more about processes, learning right. how to hire well, learning how to systematize everything that you're doing and take the owner out of it so that he can grow the business, those kinds of things. So our entire summit is based on the idea, we want to help our audience do that. We want to walk alongside them along that journey and help them. And we only know that through the conversations that we had with them. Hmm. That's a great point. Yeah, I, I love live video, and we've talked about in the past this. I mean, the ability to go everywhere, like you had mentioned earlier, earlier it's just amazing, uh, and the technology. But there is nothing like I got to hang out with Connor at Bar Taco in Orlando, which we got to go back to because it was amazing. Yeah, maybe. And, oh, then, yeah. and then Mike and I have held, uh, hung out at multiple conferences. I still remember the one at St. Louis in the big uh, repurposed train station. That's just amazing there for MDMC uh, in Missouri. So, um, but Connor, I know, I know you had a question you want to ask uh, from one of our, yeah. our comments. I, yeah. I think the best part about this show is that we can get into real life scenarios and especially when you all send in your comments. So we have a nice one here from a LinkedIn user that says, a celebrity influencer has reached out to us to give her a product for her home in return for tags and mentions. The product is not for the show she hosts. However, she has more than a million followers. How do we determine what we want in exchange or if it's worth anything to us? We're B2B, but we do have distributors value of the product is high. So is there this kind of formula to follow? $1,000 product, two tags, $5,000 product, so on and so forth. So I think for this, you know, is, is where do you even start when you're presented with these kinds of opportunities? This is a fantastic question. And the first thing I'll say is, in total honesty, there's no formula. It's not going to yeah. be, you know, for uh, product worth this, you, you should expect that because it's it's unfortunately a lot more complicated than that. The first thing I want you to think about is the brand fit. Who is this influencer? Who are they talking about? Who are they talking to? 
How are they talking to that audience? How is the audience engaging with that influencer? And at the end of that evaluation, you'll have determined, and I, I bet in this case, it's probably not a good fit. Because mm-hmm. as, a B2B, as a B2B company, you don't need to reach consumers. Consumers aren't purchasing your product. You need to think about who it is that you do want to reach. And I'll just use Agorapulse as an example because I, I don't know what your company is. But Agorapulse, we want to reach CMOs, senior marketing managers. Our users are social media managers and agency technicians, but it's the CMOs and the senior marketing managers who have budget and decision-making right. authority. So those are the people we want to reach. I don't necessarily want to reach people who are shopping at Cabela's, and I'm just you know picking a right. store out at random. Uh, they're not in the market for my product necessarily. Now, is it possible that some CMOs are, are browsing Cabela's? Absolutely, sure. But most of the people that I would reach if I'm targeting that particular crowd in that building is a waste. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a billboard advertisement right it's on the side of the highway you hit every single person who walks drives by the highway um if they happen to glance up and and look at the billboard but if you're b2b most of those people aren't going to be of interest to you now if it's if you if it's a consumer-oriented business like mcdonald's well that's great you're showing them that your store is on the next exit and yeah consumers want to know that all consumers want to know where food is and other consumable products are. But for B2B in particular, you got to think about brand fit. So first of all, look at the influencer and what it is that they're talking about most of the time. What is their niche? What is their focus? If they're a true celebrity, then you're talking about reaching a, you know, a wide swath of people across wide demographics, but it's going to be super expensive. I typically wouldn't pay $5,000 for a couple of social posts. Because mm-hmm. again, you're going to be reaching a lot of people that aren't interested and don't care. And so then you also want to think about the nature of those posts. Did they get a lot of engagement? Did they get a lot of interest? Is the influencer responding in the comments? Are they building up community? Are those people responding? One of my favorite questions to ask clients is if the influencer was talking about your brand and somebody asked a question and the influencer answered, if the influencer answered as you or your brand, how would you feel about that response? Would you feel comfortable? Because some of the influencers in the world talk with a tone and a style and a culture and a voice that doesn't align with how I talk, that doesn't align with how my brand talks. We have a certain culture at Agorapulse. And the good news is for brands like Agorapulse, we've taken the time to define what that culture, what that style, what that voice is. We like to say internally at Agorapulse, we're the kind of brand that you could sit down with and have a few beers and and just enjoy the conversation. That's us. We don't like to be corporate-y, but we don't like to be, you know, so off color that, you know, we're we're borderline offensive either. There's there's a scale there. Mm -hmm. So think about those kinds of things and then ultimately decide, is this really the audience that we want to get in front of. Because I'll tell you, if you were thinking about spending $5,000 on influencer marketing, you're probably much better off finding some B2B influencers at the micro-influencer range. We really haven't talked about tiers, right, but there's right. different tiers of influencers. Right. Micro-influencers are like 1,000 to 100,000 followers. And you could find somebody in that tier 
you could find multiple somebodies at that tier. With with that much budget, you could probably get five blog posts or five videos or five podcasts that's going to have much, much wider reach, longer lasting reach, and focused on the people you actually want to get in front of. So I want to dive into this because this is real world stuff. And once again, I call audibles all the time on this show because I, it's fascinating to me. So you mentioned podcasts, which I would say would probably be there's a lot of hidden gems that people don't think about when it comes to podcasting because you could find like I'm actually working with a guy now on uh, he is one of the biggest construction places in uh, in Tulsa, in Oklahoma, the entire state of Oklahoma and I'm probably the tri-state area, one of the biggest construction companies. And he wants to do a podcast to reach and, and help there. And so that's a niche thing like these big. But there's a lot of money in that, too, because he does that B2B stuff. And so I would look at a podcast that would fit your need and you could, cause they're going to be talking specifically about your industry on that podcast. And what Mike was saying, that was a great tip about if they answered a question, would it go and, and build up your brand, even if it's not mentioning it specifically, because a lot of like, even just, we'll just use YouTube for YouTubers, for example, as kind of influencers to talk about those guys, they're often really broad and they'll like, just kind of, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be talking tech, let's say a tech influencer, there, you never know what they're going to say, yes or no, that might be kind of a negative connotation to your brand. So having these really focused podcasts, I think, might be something that you might want to look at and think about because uh, it's just really cool. And the other thing is, like, I would consider myself a micro-influencer, but Ecamm, uh, once again, shout out to our sponsor, and they sponsored me from the very beginning, and they saw the long-range thing that I'm going to be using their tool every week for X amount of years, and every week I'm going to talk about them, and, uh, and people get to see this tool in action every week so it may they saw they had the long-term focus and goal about okay yeah well, we'd love to sponsor you so that's where you can find those like mike does so well with you know partnering with his uh, ambassadors at the gore pulse those fits that just are worth it and you have to have that long-term view anyway off my soapbox i just i just it's it's really cool to me you know to, to think about this you stuff people that speak your language because that's gonna how it's gonna come off as authentic when yeah. they're promoting what you're, and the other what you got. And the other thing, because I see Chris and uh, <laughs> Chris is saying uh, that is why uh, Mike Alton is the best spot on. And, and on this, <laughs> the same, this same topic on, with Chris and the Amazon influencer program, when you first start going on Amazon as an influencer, you get all these people out of the, the woodwork giving you products. They want to give you products. Mm-hmm. Well, like Chris and, and Jim do a great job is like, and Justin Moore and, and some of these people who are, are mm-hmm. big in the platform say, listen, you don't need to do this stuff for free. Brands yeah. that want to work with you understand like I am putting your product on Amazon and that is a huge spot. And if I can get you to do that, I will pay you money to do it yeah. well. Like Chris and Jim, their videos are, are excellent. Uh, so Mike, talk about, you know, maybe that little variance between, you know, the picking the brand and the influencer kind of connection, you know, that is so important. Like, like what questions even to ask? Like if you're an influencer and you're getting ready to go to, a, you know, you're talking to a brand about a brand deal. Well, as an influencer going to a brand, yeah, we're talking about a couple of different uh, right. perspectives here, right? An influencer going to a brand, they're going to want to talk to the brand about their audience first and foremost, right? Who is it that you're talking to? Which means as an influencer, you need to know. This can't just be an arbitrary number of how many followers. You've got to have a really good understanding of who your audience is, which means digging into the analytics, uh, whatever the platforms offer you, and then doing things that allow you to have more insight. And I'll give you an example. You can do polls, 
you can ask questions uh, when you send an email. Like I sent an email to my list, you know, moments ago ab- about this show, and you can segment the people that click. So everybody that clicked through on my email list to go to this show, I had them segmented as influencer marketing interest. They went to this show because they're interested in learning about influencer marketing. So I'm learning that mm-hmm. about my list. So have that kind of information in your pocket so that you can tell a brand, hey, I know that you want to target this audience. That's 60% of my audience already that I know about. Um, That's the first thing. Second Mm -hmm. thing is to make sure that you're being consistent in the kinds of conversations that you're having. If you're all over the place in your topics, if you're all over the place in the products that you recommend, it's going to be really hard to focus on a particular niche. It's going to be really hard to give your audience, first of all, a reason to follow you. And brands, they're not going to be very clear on what it is that you're talking about. Because what, regardless of what you say in an email or in a conversation, the brand, if they're smart, they're going to go look. They're going to look at your channels. Whatever your channels are, they're going to take a look and they're going to see what it is that you're talking about. And let me give you two B2C examples. Let's say you want to talk to Dyson and you want to rep Dyson products on Amazon and you want them to send you some Dyson products because right. you don't want to work out hundreds and hundreds of dollars on your own, which makes complete sense, right? right? If all you've ever talked about is coffee, why would Dyson want to work with you? <laughs> right. You see that disconnect, right? Those are consumer products, but they're so far afield of each other my audience is used to me talking about coffee. Other brands will see that I'm talking about coffee quite a bit, but all of a sudden I'm going to talk about vacuum cleaning. What, what does that have to do with each other? Uh, this actually ends up being the advice that I end up giving up and coming influencers a hundred percent of the time that they're too all over the board in terms of what they're talking about, particularly if they want to be Amazon influencers. And like you said, when you become an Amazon influencer and you start to create video, you get approached by a lot of companies. Oh, it's really kind of funny, right? Yeah, Anybody out of the, any, you know, they just come out of the word work trying to ship you stuff. Mm. And it doesn't always make sense if you're thinking strategically about the brand that you're building for yourself. You know, it it might be funny for me to talk about women's beauty products that, that might be fun and, and gimmicky, right. but is it going to be aligned with everything else that I'm talking about? No. <laughs> Definitely not. Mm -hmm. So should I do it? Probably not. Maybe when you're just starting off, yeah, you know, see what works, see what you enjoy talking about. But at some point, you've got to decide, I've got to narrow my focus. I really have to get alignment with who I am, who I want to talk about, the kinds of products and things that I'm using, the kinds of problems that I'm solving for myself and the kind of problems that I might solve for my audience. And when you do that, it's going to be so much easier to go to brands. In fact, if you follow people like Justin Moore, because he's right, it'll be so much easier because brands will actually start to come to you mm-hmm. with good, solid proposals. They'll look at you and they'll say, Jeff, we want to work with you and we've got budget. And you're like, okay, yeah. here we let's go. Get started. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. That's good. You know, I think there's, there's such a gambit of, of, of influencers in the space too, that we can kind of, kind of focus on our, our, where people are coming from. You mentioned it a little bit before about, about micro influencers, um, this kind of newer, uh, uh, aspect in, in the landscape of influencers. But I think it's so powerful for companies and products to partner with these types of people. Um, you know, Jeff just said he, he thinks he's uh, a micro influencer. 
don't sell yourself short, Jeff. You're an incredibly micro influencer. <laughs> Thank okay. you, Connor. I appreciate it. Yeah. No problem. That's what I'm here for, my man. Right. But the different types of, of micro influencer levels, um, how do you approach it? And if you do consider yourself a micro influencer, where do you start with, with kind of all of this? Wow. Okay. So there's definitely a difference between B2C and B2B. Mm. Now I can speak to both, but I am a B2B influencer and I work with B2B influencers. So that's where the bulk of my experience and expertise is. And with a B2B influencer in the micro area, we almost have a different smaller set of expectations, right? For for general influencers, we say, like I said, a thousand to a hundred thousand followers, you're probably a, a micro influencer, but that's almost a B2C definition. Right. You could have a, a quarter of that um, and be a solid B2B influencer because it really boils down to how much focus you have in the content that you're creating and how engaged that audience is. If you have focused on speaking to CMOs, and you have an audience of 5,000 CMOs, with that scale, you're, you're technically a micro-influencer. But dang, as a business that wants to reach CMOs, I am in love with you, and I will pay you buckets of money to get mm. in front of that audience because you've refined and you've honed and you've polished and you've worked hard to build a very, very specific audience. And that's going to be highly valuable to a brand that understands that fit between what they're looking for and what you're trying to do. So the second part of your question was, uh, you know, how do you get started? And that's a huge topic uh, <laughs> that's, that, we, that we couldn't possibly unpack right now. But where I would suggest is to think about what it is that you love to do, who is it that you love to serve, the problems that they are specifically dealing with, and get even more focused, you know, who specifically, you know, it, and we know this as marketers, which is kind of funny. I, I often am working with marketers to become super influential, whether they're personal brand or executive brand. And they know this idea that we have to be refined and targeted with our audiences. They know that it can't be every business owner in the world needs my service. That's not <laughs> true. <laughs> that's right. just not right. And yet that's the mistake that they make. Um, so a, a lot of it's, you know, like, like the cobbler in his own shoes where they just, they know it in their heart, but they're <laughs> yeah. too busy working on other people's yeah. shoes to have their own great shoes. So, you know, for you listening right now, if you're thinking about becoming more focused in an influencer, maybe you want this as a side gig, you know, maybe it's something you've been doing for a while, but you're ready to really, you know, increase your income and your influence, be as focused as you can in who you're talking to and the problems you're solving. Justin Morris, another great example. It's the third time we've referenced him. I interviewed mm -hmm. him on, on my podcast a few weeks ago, and he's specifically focused on helping influencers gain sponsorship deals. Yeah. That's the one problem that he's helping them solve, gain sponsorship deals. He's not really, I mean, there's other tangential problems that come up, but that's the thing, the one thing that they said in City Slickers, right? That's the one thing. <laughs> uh, that, yeah. that he's trying to solve. And so that's what you need to do. So I, I want to talk about this a little bit more because um, I, I think you mentioned, you know, uh, when you're a micro influencer, how to, you know, get started. And, and we kind of touch on that a little bit. But you just wrote a great article. I think it just came out yesterday about how TikTok influencers can go to B&B. &B. And one of the things that I was really uh, intrigued about 
is I think a lot of times you mentioned also like the cobbler and you know you know he doesn't fix his own shoes. It's like we get so focused on that one thing, but sometimes there's opportunities that we can use to monetize that we haven't even thought about. Like I was, when I was reading your article, you were talking about, oh, you don't only have to get like brand deals, but you could also sell your own merchandise. You could do this on as a TikTok and all this other stuff. So you gave some great examples in there. So based on that article, talk about that a little bit about how we can be creative in, you know, monetizing our influence. And secondly, when I was reading that article, I was thinking about, okay, what happens if TikTok goes away for these influencers and not putting all your eggs in one basket? So there's two things about that influencers. I'd love you to give your thoughts on about how, how to be creative as an influencer and also what you do so you can kind of have some insurance. Like if Congress shuts down TikTok, like it's like know, right? a little bit. Yeah. So what do you think? Yeah, yeah I'd say first and foremost, as a influencer, you should work towards having your own product and then eventually a set of products. Mm. Now, for most individuals who are going out in the world and they're starting their own little side hustle, the product is your time. The product is you as a consultant helping individuals one-on-one do whatever it is that needs to be done to solve whatever pain point you're solving for. Eventually, what you can be adding to that is books that are for sale, memberships, group coaching, you know, those are just some easy examples where you are now taking your expertise and your community and your ability to influence and monetizing it and putting it in a position where it can grow and scale. That's the real Mm -hmm. challenge with, with consulting. If that's all you do, you're either time limited or you form an agency and it's less about you and more about all the other people that you're hiring to do the consulting. But as an individual, if you want to scale, you need to, you know, figure out ways to do that right. on a more massive scale, like you know, with memberships and groups and so on. So, yeah, that's a great correlation to things like affiliate marketing and brand sponsorship deals and and pure influencer marketing where you're working on campaigns mm-hmm. uh, with, with other brands. So the cool thing about influencer marketing as an influencer is that I can do everything I just talked about. I'm not limited to just one of those Right. Pieces of the puzzle. In fact, one of the cool things that I like to see other influencers doing is when they share, you know, this is how I made my money last mm-hmm. month, last quarter. And they're very transparent in their breakdown. They'll just do a little pie wheel. And I made, you know, so much money from Amazon and I made so much money from brand sponsorships and I made so much money from my membership. Yeah. That, so is that the best way that you see by having that diversified pie is to protect yourself for when a platform, I mean, you lost and Peg and even myself lost a ton of followers when Google Plus went away. You know, that, once again, that's for you, Chris. Uh, Clink your glasses. Google Plus was mentioned again. Um, And and Dustin Stout, same way. He had a ton of people on there. And and putting your eggs in one basket, it's very dangerous in this day and age. And I guess what you're saying, when you have those products and all those different things, you're more diversified. Like Justin Moore, we mentioned him again. His email list is where his his money is and he owns that that's that's exactly right i lost a quarter million followers Mm. on google plus a quarter million but google plus was not the only place that i existed Mm. i had my blog first and foremost and i had my email list and then i had my distribution channels and while i had a lot of followers on google plus it was just one of several distribution channels i still had twitter i still had linkedin i still had facebook um 
and Pinterest uh, back then. Those those were my main channels back then. Today, it's really focused on on Twitter and LinkedIn. But I still have my blog, the same site that I've had for over a decade. I still have my email list, which is over 35,000 subscribers. Now, these are people who've actually you know raised a hand and said, I want to hear from you, Mike. I want to know more from you. And as I build that list and I build the community, when I come out with new products and new offerings and new services, they're the first ones to not only hear about it, they're the first ones to buy. So having that diversification is important, like you said, on two levels. Have the different kinds of revenue streams, but also have the different platforms on which you're building and try to avoid, you know, like so many have said, you know, building your platform on rented land, which is the social networks themselves. The networks can go away and at a more granular detail, any individual can lose their account on any social network at any time without warning. You can get locked out of your TikTok or your Facebook or your Twitter. You can have your account suspended, revoked, on accident. It doesn't have to be anything that you did. You can be abiding by all the rules and accidentally get locked out or suspended. So you obviously can't depend on those platforms long term. Now, does that mean you should ignore them? Absolutely not. I I wrote that article because a lot of people want to take advantage of TikTok, and I think they should. But that shouldn't be the only place that they're putting their content. If you're creating vertical video for TikTok, send it to Instagram, send it to YouTube, send it to Facebook where the reels Performance-wise, are, are right. killing it right now. From from what I'm told, uh, interesting. You know, go follow Austin Armstrong, and, and, and he'll tell you his his audience has shifted to Facebook 100. percent So, cover all your bases. We're going to just you know kill all the right. <laughs> cliches with this one, right? right. Cover all the bases and, and make sure that you have owned content someplace. Yeah, great. It's great all- advice. Fine. You're right. Like diversity, your portfolio, you, you got it everywhere. I mean, all of my money is in FTX and Silicon Valley Bank, so I'm good from a, from a <laughs> but other than that, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, you'll you'll be fine. Um, yeah, and Dustin, great. Dustin, who he, you know, he had, he said he had more uh, email subscribers than G plus followers, but he says influencers should fo- focus on having their own platform, like just what Mike said. Nobody can take it away from them. And going back, I want to talk to, uh, to bring up Chris's comment. He goes, as influencers, important to us know that uh, the brand we want to achieve and seeing it with lines with our audience, we turn down more than he accepts. So uh, go follow um, Chris and oh, yeah. Jim over the Dealcasters. And Chris is cast ahead. They do great videos and their stuff is awesome. And he goes, it's big for Jim and me to feel good about the company we work with. We have real conversations with them and work as a team, not pushing widgets. So yeah, just don't take, don't do a money grab. You you want to always look for a long term uh, commitment and relationship. One thing um, I wanted to talk about really. Oh, Dan goes a quarter million followers. I didn't even know there were that many people on Google Plus. Oh yeah, there were. That was oh, it yeah. was a lot. Yeah, we had we had good times. Good times over there. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and and move on to successful what it means to be a successful influencer marketing. We've jumped all around today, but this is such good stuff. And I want to get uh, Mike to have plenty of time. Oh, by the way, we mentioned that article uh, that he wrote about TikTok. I think it came out yesterday, how, you know, to do business to business as a TikTok influencer, go to social, the social media hat.com. If you're listening to the podcast, it's one of, it's right down there with all his articles It's one of the newest ones. So it's the social media hat.com and you can find that. And it's a great article. Subscribe to his email list, by the way, because I do. And it, I get great stuff in my, and he does really cool history posts. I mean, just just do it. Just you'll thank me later. Anyway, um, all right, Connor. As we move on to uh, successful yeah. marketing campaigns, you know, uh, you've done some in the past. Uh, but do you? I'll let you take the first question on this. Like, 
when we're talking about building the successful influencer marketing campaign? You know, what does success look like? I think that that's a big question, mm-hmm. not just for oh, the yeah. product, the company, but the influencer them themselves as as well. And maybe even the audience, you know, is is it successful for the audience? Are they getting something in return with with this sort of deal? So how can brands measure the success of an influencer marketing campaign? And more importantly, the metrics, what are the specific metrics that they should be paying attention to? Well, I'll start by sharing a historical story because that, like, like Jeff said, I, <laughs> yeah. I love history and I love going back in history and, and, and pulling out things that, that are just as applicable today. And one of my favorite influencer marketing historical stories was about the Conklin Pen Company. And it's funny, Jeff, I always use your pen that you made for me when I tell this story, even though it's not a crescent you right. know, pen. Um, but in 1904, Conklin wanted to talk about their fountain pens. And in, 19, in the 1900s, it was celebrities. Like we talked about at the very beginning of the show, celebrities were the influencers back then, but they were just paid endorsers. And Conklin said, we could use Babe Ruth, who was a celebrity then, but Babe doesn't really use pens, right? I mean, he <laughs> signs contracts and, and right. that's it. Every, you know, his tool of choice is much larger than right. a pen. And there's no brand fit there. I mean, this speaks exactly to that comment, that question earlier today. I'm a pen company, but I'm going to pay a baseball player to talk about my pen. I mean, that's probably what their marketing agency was trying to tell them to do. But instead, they thought, okay, who is known for writing? Who is known for using a pen? And they came up with Mark Twain, who wrote Right. The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, Life on the Mississippi. And Twain was obviously known for penning his thoughts across the country. So people, the actual people that Conklin wanted to sell to, which would be people like you and I, could see Twain using a Crescent pen. So they paid him to endorse the pen and they, they quoted him and his name to this day. You can get a Crescent pen with his name on it a Mark Twain Crescent Pen from the Conklin Pen Company. So to bring it back to your question, Connor, one of the major challenges with really good influencer marketing is that it really is about brand awareness. It's Mm -hmm. really about in the 1900s, Mark Twain telling everybody, I use a Conklin Crescent Pen. I think it's great because it's not going to roll off the desk and it carries its villa in its own stomach, he said. (laughs) So... That's great, but we really want to know more today. We want to know how are these campaigns actually driving ROI? That's the question. What is the return on our investment as a brand with an influencer? So here's where it's important to first understand that both is happening. There's brand awareness happening, absolutely, and that should be at least 50% of the of the understanding of the success of a particular campaign. Did we get out there? Did our association with that influencer get into their audience? Because there are people that will buy from us down the road simply because that particular influencer talked about us and yeah. they trust that influencer's word, but we'll never be able to measure that. That's the iceberg. That's the bulk of the iceberg, right? The tip is what we can measure. That's reach, clicks, leads, and sales. We're not looking at engagement as a measurement of success. We want to see that any kind of activity was engaged, but that tells us, was it received positively? That helps us understand that there was some perception implied, but we want to measure clicks, reach, and engagement. This is why B2B influencer marketing 
is both hard and extremely promising because when it comes to B2B influence and B2B products and B2B influencers, it's almost 100% measurable, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to create a blog post. I'm going to create a YouTube video. I can measure how many people that reached and I can also measure, did I drive traffic to a web property? Right, And that's why we want with an influencer marketing campaign as much as possible to create a campaign that's more than just a social post where there's assets that are created like a video, like a blog post, like a podcast, where we can track the performance of the asset and we can actually track how much traffic did that drive back to our web properties. And then we use UTM parameters and tracking links to make sure we know, okay, what happened next? Mm-hmm. How many people subscribe to the newsletter? How many people signed up for a, a trial or a demo? How many people actually purchased? Whatever it is that you're hoping to measure, make sure you've got those goals set up in Google Analytics and make sure that you're using a tool like Agorapulse where all that stuff is tracked. You've got full UTM parameters and you know this is what happened next. Don't just assume that you're going to know that it worked because maybe you'll see a spike in, in sales. God, don't, don't do that. Right. <laughs> Have actual reports and tracking in place that you know. We did a campaign over here. We had Neil Schaefer create a right. blog post about our product, about the industry, and he shared it to his email list. And we saw through our Google Analytics that that content drove hundreds of readers to our landing page and we saw that dozens of them signed up for a free trial and we've continued to track and we know that we've got 10 new paid subscribers at $100 a month. Yeah. That's $1,000 in MRR new as a result of that campaign that was 100% trackable. That's ROI. All right, so I have a question on that note. Um, Once again, Audible. Uh, the, the, the question that I'm thinking about, so isn't there a little bit, especially with like ambassador programs and people and having this long-term reach, isn't there a little bit of the billboard like kind of thing where you can't really track it? For, for example, I've been in a, a girl pulse um, sponsor for a long time. I know I don't drive a ton of conversions, but I speak about them all the time. when I'm speaking on stages when and in podcasts are notorious for this. It's really hard to track like conversions off of a podcast. It's really like when I speak on a stage and say, Hey, this is, you know, a girl, you can use my link. Some people do, some people don't. They remember a girl, a girl pulse is a great tool and then they do it the same way with Ecamm. So isn't there a little bit of, yes, you need to set up all that tracking stuff too, but also realize as a brand, sometimes there's some real benefit of just having these ambassadors who speak love towards your content and it comes down the road. I mean, maybe I'm hopeful that you think that way about me, but what, what are your thoughts about that? <laughs> no, you're lucky for you. Yes. You're right. Okay, good. We love our ambassadors. Right. No, this is exactly why we have an ambassador program. This isn't an affiliate program that's separate. We have that right. too. We have an ambassador program, which is specifically so that I can work with influencers like you who are going on stages, who are creating content, who are speaking to individuals one-on-one, one-to-many, in situations where it's not easy or possible or likely that there'll be any kind of tracking at all. We know that that's happening. We see it in communities. And this is the part that I absolutely love about my job and about Agorapulse. There are, for those of you who don't know, there's there's tons of social media management and digital marketing communities. They're Facebook, LinkedIn, they're all over the place, Discord channels. And every day, 
somebody somewhere is just asking the question of the community, hey, what social media management dashboard should I be using? I'm running, I'm starting an agency and I want to you know, manage social. Our brand ambassadors love to just pile on and say, you got to use Agora Pulse. You got to use Agora Pulse. I look at those threads and it's fulfilling to see that it's 90% votes for Agora Pulse from people that we love, people that love us. And every once in a while, there's some other you know random stuff thrown right. in there. That's because of the relationships we built. I can't measure that. I can only be aware of it, that that individual is getting overwhelming advice and every other person who reads that post is seeing the exact same advice, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the bulk of the iceberg that I was mentioning earlier. And as a brand participating in influencer marketing, I absolutely have to be aware that that huge iceberg is out there and I'm only measuring the tip. I want that tip to be profitable. And I know that if it is, then there's so much more benefit that's happening out there. When you know Jen Herman is speaking at an event, she's talking about Instagram and she's talking to real estate agents and other marketers and so on in front of huge crowds. And she'll mention Agora Pulse in her presentation. If people come up to her afterwards and they ask her, hey, what tool do you use for Instagram? That she'll say, Agora Pulse. Does that result in direct traffic that we contribute to her? No, almost yeah. never. But I know it's happening and I know it works. Mm. See, that's what I, I knew you were going to say that. That's why I asked that question, because I think that's something. I mean, I, there's a there's only a few brands that are few and far between. A lot of them look at the bottom line, which is totally understandable. But the ones who are thinking ahead, like Agora Pulse, like our sponsors, Ecamm. So make sure you guys go check them out at socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Ecamm. Um, but they have this forward thinking and they understand it. Of course they want they can't just give stuff away. I mean, they, they have to make it profitable, but they have that long-term uh, thinking. So uh, thank you, Mike, for that, because I think that's one of the things that makes Agora Pulse uh, and Ecamm stand out. So, Connor, people last question. Yeah, people aren't always looking for that thing at that time, but down the road, yeah. they might remember, hey, this influencer said this about it. So I think that playing the long game is is all about that. And we've talked about measuring metrics and, and reaching out to influencers and influencers coming, but... What advice would you give uh, to brands who are just starting out on on this journey with influencer marketing? Um, how can they make the most out of those first few campaigns that they're setting up? The absolute best advice I can give every brand is to be more generous mm. than you think you should be. And that isn't necessarily about the cash that you're handing the influencer. Um, one of the big challenges that I face as an influencer myself is brands come to me and they want me to talk about their tool, their SaaS product online, but they don't want to give me free access to their SaaS tool <laughs> online. They expect yeah. me to pay for their tool, or maybe they'll give me like 14 day trial and they expect right. that within 14 days, I'm going to have an educated opinion enough and I'm going to love their product enough to want to talk about it to my audience. And that's not reasonable. Yeah. So our approach at Agora Pulse is our influencers, they get lifetime access. Jeff, I mean, you've got Agora Pulse for free for the rest of your mm -hmm. life, whether you keep talking about us or not, because that was the promise we made to you when we, you know, we started this journey years ago. And brands don't necessarily have to give free lifetime access, but give them a year access. Let them know that you're going to give them time to get to know your solution, time to ask questions, time to actually use it and see positive results for yourself so you could share those results with your audience because what you really want as a brand is for the influencer to tell stories yes. about how you mm -hmm. help them. And you 
that they're not going to pay you to do that. <laughs> they're going to pay you to tell a story about your product, and they're certainly going to need time to do that. Such good advice. This is one like it's one of those ones I can't really take notes because I'm pressing all the buttons. But you know, I always, <laughs> I always, uh, I have to go back and and when I repurpose it and get a bunch of stuff. So, uh, Mike, you've been more than generous with your time, but I want to let everybody know where they can find you, what you got going on. Uh, I know you have some stuff specifically on influencer marketing that I want to let you have time to talk about at the end. So take it away. Yeah. So I'm Mike Halton on all the socials. If you want to just connect with me, if you have follow-up questions, I'm happy to. I love obviously talking about influencer marketing all day long. If you're a brand that wants to kind of level up what you're doing with influencers and with brand partners, I would really encourage you to listen to my podcast, Partnership Unpacked. And if you are a creator and you want to earn more income and develop more influence, I would enjoy, I would encourage you to join my community, the Influencer Incubator, which you can learn about at the socialmediahat.com. Yes. Make sure you guys go once again, uh, sign up for uh, all the stuff that is all Mike Alton. So the social media hat.com for you guys listening on the podcast, sign up for his email because I, you know, I get, I mean, I sign up to him on Feedly, all the things I sign up for Mike. I've been listening to him <laughs> and reading his stuff for years. He's a great, great writer. You can learn a bunch for him. So sign up for him at the social media hat.com. Connor Brown, the amazing Connor Brown. Where can people find out uh, more about you? Well, you can go to www.opinion.com to learn all about my Disney stuff. You can also follow me across all social medias at at WDWOpinion. I'm not on TikTok right now. I gave it up for Lent. But after Easter, (laughs) if it's still there, I'll be back. (laughs) So real quick, you say Disney stuff. Tell them what you mean, like your services that you provide, because that's very, very broad. A blog. I have a blog and a podcast that help people plan for and daydream about their next perfect Disney vacation, whether it's Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line. And I'm a travel agent, so I can help people plan their specific vacations as well. That's awesome. Thank you, everybody, for showing up today. Thank you, uh, Jim, Chris, um, all the great questions. Dustin, as always, thanks you for stopping by. Dan, appreciate you. Once again, I appreciate our sponsors over at Ecamm. Make sure you find uh, you go over there and find out all about them at socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Ecamm. And do not forget their leap to leap into live that's coming up it's all about live selling you know jim and and chris are in the audience right now they're going to be speaking they are what they're the guys who got me on amazon and actually making it profitable so make sure you guys go check that out at leapintolive.com and with that we'll see you guys next time have a great weekend mike thank you so much we'll talk to you guys later bye everybody social media news live